Welcome to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week, we'll be interviewing different people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. In this episode, we speak to Ed Trelinski about the value of co-curricular activities for young people. Ed will be explaining what's included in the school's co-curricular programme, what the future plans are, and he also talks about what he refers to as adventure education. So let's explore the world of co-curricular at Reading Bluecoat through the eyes of Ed Trelinski. Ed, thank you for joining us on the Reading Blues podcast. How are you today? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, really good. Enjoy, enjoying my afternoon uh, in the sunshine and, and looking forward to, to the weekend ahead. It is a sunshiny day. Do you prefer sunshiny days or rainy days? I'm going to guess sunshiny days. Uh, definitely sunshiny days. Uh, certainly after the long winter that we, we've had with uh, dealing with COVID and everything else, it's good to be able to get outside and, and enjoy the, the good weather. Do you like kind of outdoor life in that case? Yeah, I, absolutely. It's a big part of my, my life. I, I'm not somebody who copes very well with being cooped up at, at home uh for for too long um so my family's very much like that my wife and i spend a lot of time outside so uh you know she's from the lake district originally okay um, and that's where we tend to spend all our time in the holidays when we're not at school so yeah being outdoors and and up a mountain is is generally our preferred place to be so lake district and going up mountains that sounds quite good fun what sort of things do you get up to when you're in the lake district then um so we do a lot of pretty serious long distance walks we don't we don't do them quite so long these days because we've got two young kids who are we're three and one and um, carrying my, my son around um, is getting increasingly challenging uh, for, for me. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we like to go out for a good full day, you know, on, on a fell, getting as high as we can, bagging as many Wainwrights as we can, you know, and trying to get our children in, into that as well and getting them to enjoy and just appreciate being outside and being away from everything else and having the freedom to just be with each other which is what we really enjoy about it so that sounds lovely so age three and one is that uh, I, I know you've got one boy is it two boys or one boy one girl no so our eldest is, is, is a girl um ellis three and, and thomas is, is our little one-year-old so, or not so little one-year-old <laughs> as he is now so ed i'm looking forward to hearing all about the value of co-curricular activities for young people but tell us a little bit more about yourself first of all if we can jump back to your own education where did you go to school and what was your own experience of it? Uh, so I had sort of quite different um, school experience in that, um, well, two quite different school experiences. I started off at the local village primary school mm-hmm. uh, where I, I grew up and I was there until I was 11. And there, there weren't really a lot of co-curricular activities at all um, there at that school when, when I was there. It was a good school, but they just didn't do anything outside the classroom particularly. And then I was very fortunate through one means or another, I ended up being able to go to a, uh, a private school, an independent school for um, when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me was um, you know, a massive eye opener. It was a big step up. There were all sorts of things about it that were just incredible. But one of them was the fact that I could actually do all of these activities that I really enjoyed each and every day. And the thing that I most enjoyed growing up was playing rugby. That's what I really wanted to do. And the main reason why I wanted to go to this, this private school was because I had a, an older friend who I knew got to play rugby seemingly every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was, you know, for me, that that, that was heaven. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was quite happy to be able to follow him and, and go and do that. And, you know, and it gave me that opportunity to not only play rugby and lots and lots of sport, which is what I was primarily interested in as, a, as an 11 year old, but mm-hmm. actually gave me a lot of other opportunities, which I wouldn't necessarily have thought about before I went, which I also really benefited uh, from. Hmm. Uh, in the in the long run, so it opened my eyes 
um, as well more broadly. That sounds really good. We're going to talk more about co-curricular shortly, but can you share something else about yourself, maybe about your post-education life, but before you came to Reading Bluecoat? Where else did you work between the two? Uh, So I used to work in professional politics before I became a teacher. Professional politics. That sounds interesting. So uh, I used to work on election campaigns. Okay. In the United States um, for a period of time straight after university. Um, Sorry, so I went in the to do US, a master's. Did you say? Yeah, so I went to do a master's in, um, at George Washington University. Um, and then I went to work down in, in the Deep South in New Orleans uh, for a few years after that. And then came back and decided I wanted to move into teaching, which had always been something that was in the back of my mind. And you know, that was the right time to do it. And I ended up getting a, being very fortunate. I got a job at rugby school, you know, and was able to go and not only teach, but also coach rugby <laughs> um, at rugby school, which it doesn't get much much better than that in terms of <laughs> rugby coaching. So uh, that, that was pretty good for me. And you mentioned that teaching was something in the in the back of your mind. What prompted that to come from the back, back of your mind to the front of your mind? If, I, if I'm being honest, it was a pragmatic thing uh, a little bit. And that, um, you know, I came back to England in 2008. So we were in the midst of uh, the 2008 financial crisis and jobs were pretty few and far between at that point in time. So there wasn't a whole lot of choice. Um, so it was purely pragmatic. It was it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, and then I, I'd had a um, I'd been to a boarding school myself and I had a housemaster who um, really looked after me at school. And to be honest, he looked after me after I left school as well. And um, I'd gone and worked. He, he'd become a headmaster at a prep school down in in Devon um, in the interim um, and I'd been and worked there in my university holidays throughout my whole time mm. at university and I went back and worked for him when I came back from America and really enjoyed it and was just like well actually this is what I'd like to give this a go and see if this is actually what I want to spend the rest of my life doing fortunately for me you know it's worked out that actually that is the right thing for me to do it was absolutely the right decision um, mm. at the time albeit as I say some partly it was a bit pragmatic but um, it, it had always been there Okay, so tell me then more about the role that you have in the school. So, for example, if you and I met at a social engagement, how might you summarise your job about what you do at school? Uh, With with difficulty uh, in some ways. (laughs) I think in one of the sort of, um, I think it's the uh, induction guide for the New Year Sevens, I think it describes my role as being in charge of pretty much everything, which pretty much sums up the second master's job. It's pretty all-encompassing. So, yeah, I'm I'm not in charge of everything, but I have an interest in pretty much every aspect of life at the school and have some role um, to play in uh, in, uh, managing that. But I do have a principal responsibility for the co-curricular life of the school. So everything that goes on outside the classroom um, activity-wise in whatever form that may take. And for someone that's completely unfamiliar with co-curricular life, what activities might fall into that bracket? Literally anything and everything that you can think of that doesn't happen in a classroom. So music, drama, sport, um, are your sort of traditional big headline activities you might think about. Anything to do with um, outdoor education, anything to do with art and design outside the classroom, Duke of Edinburgh programme, uh, your community service programme, anything that is not classroom-based that, that's an activity um, at school. As I said, it's a pretty all-encompassing role from that point of view. Okay, so you joined in September 2020, is that right? That's correct, yeah. And how has that been given the restrictions that are in place and then the subsequent second lockdown as well? Tough uh, in in lots of ways. I mean, I keep getting people saying to me that I'm not actually seeing Reading Bluecoat in its normal state, uh, which I think is very true. So, I mean, part of my role is that um, I look after all the routines um, at, at school and all, all the duties and, um, and try and make sure everything runs smoothly. Well, I'm trying to make everything run smoothly in a school that isn't operating in, in a way that it normally does. Mm. So that's 
it's quite tough for me because, I mean, we've been making decisions about how we're going to run things on the fly throughout the course of the year. And I'm going to have to go back to, at some stage, you know, running things how they used to be run whenever, whenever that is. So I'm going to have to almost learn it twice, uh, which is, is challenging. Now, equally, it gives me a chance to look at things fresh uh, and actually work out whether the way we used to do it was the best way to do it or not. And that's... Mm. You know, one of the helpful aspects of, of COVID. And there are certainly some new things that we've learned that I think we'll, we'll keep going with. It'll be interesting to see which things are reverted back to and which things are decided on that actually doing it a different way is the better way to be doing it. Yeah, no, and I think there's lots of scope for that. And I think we've seen that a lot already you know, from an academic point of view. And I'm, I'm sure the same will be true in the way that we, you know, we run some of the co-curricular program as well. Now, I understand that the headmaster has charged you with overseeing and reviewing and extending the school's co-curricular provision. What future plans might there be for students at Reading Bluecoat? So there's a number of different things we're looking at um, quite closely at the moment. One of them is to look at what's traditionally called outdoor education at the school. Uh, I think we'd rather call it adventure education uh, more more so than that, um, which gives a bit of a bit more of a better idea, I think, of what it is actually we're we're trying to achieve uh, with it. So we currently have some, um, you know, uh, elements of that within the school. So, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have a DOV program, uh, which um, facilitates um, you know, students being able to do uh, their bronze, silver and gold DOV. We have a wilderness uh, activity, which runs for years seven and eight as part of their activity program on a Monday and a Tuesday, which enables them to get outside with Captain John, our head of outdoor education, mm-hmm. and do some work with him in the, in the fabulous woodland that we have on, on site. Um, we've got you know, some elements with our CCF and, and with the climbing wall um, at the school as well that we use. But what we're looking to do really is to take more advantage of the site that we have. So that's part of it. We, we've got a fabulous sort of outdoor area and we want to try and develop that and make better use of it. So the woods, for instance, uh, you know, we don't use a great deal um, at the school. We're actually sort of looking into developing them, possibly adding in something like a high ropes course, for instance, within that part of the school. Mm-hmm. making better use of the river, you know, because we've got access um, down to the the river there. We do have some kayaks, but not as many as we would like. And actually, we'd like to be able to get kayaking on the river, possibly sailing, you know, those kind of activities more than we do at the moment. Mm-hmm. To take that all on, on a stage further, what we'd really like is to have an adventure program, which is one that has progression throughout the course of the year, throughout students' time at school, so that the students are, are working on, on building you know, not only their technical skills and their, their confidence in those areas, but also that they're um, they're developing their, their personal characteristics, personal qualities that uh, that are so important these days. So mm. looking at developing things like their leadership skills and their teamwork uh, and resilience when they're facing you know pretty tough and challenging situations in front of them. So part of that is to have a program that that runs throughout the course of the year, which they can access, mm-hmm. and then builds up to. Uh, we traditionally have an activities week at the end of the year, which um, each of the year groups take part in, and and the sort of big vision ultimately is that actually in that week, you know, some students will be able to go off and take part in you know a major you know outdoor expedition during mm-hmm. the course of that week so it might be a student-led trip up to in the Cairngorms um, or it might be taking part in one of the big name challenges like the devices to Westminster canoe race or the 10 tours race or, or maybe we'll even have our own blue coat version of that and I've got an idea in my head a little bit of you know teams of you know year nine students battling it out to see who can get home first across across the fells you know somewhere beautiful in the country 
you know, something along those lines. That, that's where we're looking to go with it. Uh, and that activities week that happens at the end of the academic year? Yeah, that's right. It happens at the end of the summer term um, every year. So once we've got through the exam period, both for those taking public exams and those doing internal exams, it's uh, it's a week that we, you know, traditionally use to round off the year, get outside, do something a little bit different and, and you know, get the uh, students learning in a different way. It's an example, really, of something where actually COVID in, in some ways is, is helping us a little bit because it's forced, you know, this year, for example, traditionally this um, activities week, um, tradition is quite residential and different groups of students go off to you know to different places well we can't do that this year because of the covid restrictions residential trips aren't uh, haven't been okayed at the moment so we're having mm-hmm. to do things more locally um, than we we have done previously you know it's giving us a good chance to sort of hit the reset button and go okay right well how could we do this differently you know in the years to come you know when the restrictions are lifted and and we have those freedoms again so it's it's been quite helpful mm from that point of view but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the week in action and uh, having seen some of the plans that the heads of year have got lined up for their different year groups this year even with the covid restrictions you know it's going to be a really good week Mm. now i think students will have a a lot of fun and and they'll learn a lot of things about each other and um, you know how to work together in in different ways which is really what you know for me adventure education is is all about I love this phrase, adventure education, as, as opposed to outdoor education. Yeah, no, I, I think it really sort of encapsulates the fact that it, it, it's meant to be challenging. I think that's really important. Uh, otherwise, there's a danger. I mean, I'm an, you know, an adventure education enthusiast. It's what I love to do. But I recognize that not everybody does. But if you're going to enjoy it, you need to be challenged. And you need to feel like that it's actually it's developing over time. And teenagers like taking risks. And part of adventure education is, I think, about teaching them how to take managed risks um, mm. in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the right times and making good decisions and that's a really good life skill as well as much as anything so mm. the adventure part of it is really important it's not just about being outside now you mentioned earlier that you loved rugby when you were at school yourself and i'm presuming that you still love rugby now uh, would you say rugby is one of your favorite sports you like to enjoy when you're not at school uh yeah I, I, absolutely um <laughs> i'm laughing so i'm just thinking about if you ask my wife and family that question i think the, the answer would be resoundingly yes given the <laughs> amount of time i spend watching it but uh yeah absolutely rugby still is it always has been my my passion since you know since as long as i can remember i started playing when i was seven but only only stopped playing properly a few years ago so no it's very much my number one passion in life which i spend most of my time watching absorbing being involved in so yeah and what is it about rugby in particular that you like so much I think as a child, um, I mean, I always liked the physicality of it. That was something that that I enjoyed, that worked for me. It's that sense of team. It's the fact that, um, you know, it's one of those games which sounds a bit of a cliche, but it is very much a team game. Everyone has to pull together hmm. and you've got to go, if you're going to be really successful and do really well at it, you've got to push yourself both individually and as a group. And you sometimes have to go to some pretty dark places in order to ultimately be able to achieve what you want to be able to achieve with it physically. Um, it's tough. Um, and that mentally makes it a pretty draining game. So I think people who can survive in that environment and do well in it, it's a real testament to, to them as individuals, as characters and, and as a group. You know, I, I enjoy that that challenge as to whether you can meet that challenge and succeed in it. Um, you know, I, I miss I miss playing it. I wish I could carry on playing. But so now I get to watch it and coaching is, is the next best thing to being able to play. So, you know, I enjoy being able to give other people that, that opportunity to enjoy the game in the same way that, that I did, which is... That's very similar to my sort of views on how I got into teaching, really. It's the same sort of thing. Ed, going back in time, if I asked you when you were 12 years old what you'd like to be when you grow up, what might you have said? (laughs) Professional rugby player, probably. Um, (laughs) I'm not surprised by that now. (laughs) No, um, that's probably... I don't know. Well, uh, I was was sort of self-aware enough, I think, to know that I wasn't ever going to be quite that good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the physical gifts to be able to make it at that level. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think I knew that pretty early on, but I probably still would have given you that answer age 12. Was there any particular rugby player who was any kind of inspiration for you when you were a boy? Well, my dad, first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. So um, my, my dad played rugby very seriously for a long time. And yeah, he was the reason I got into the game in the first place and started okay. watching it. And he's the one who took me down to play rugby. So he he was the first person. And then in terms of in terms of players, I mean, I, I was I was always a, a second row slash six growing up. So um, you know, Martin Johnson was the figurehead, um, you know, of English rugby when I was growing up, and, and still very much is a sort of dominant figure within the game. So mm. you know, and I, I was very lucky. I got to I got to coach rugby Martin Johnson once, which was oh, a really? real nice, real highlight for me. Um, when was that? I was back when I'd finished, I'd just finished university. I was working as a, I used to work as a coach for the RFU um, throughout my time at university. And uh, I worked on a, he was running a series of summer camps. This was pretty soon after the World Cup victory in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with him then briefly and did a couple of coaching sessions with him, which was uh, you know, almost as exciting for me as it was for the nine-year-olds that were running around being coached by us. <laughs> uh, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but for anyone who's heard anything and might want to get in touch, what's the best way for them to come to you and ask a question uh, well i'm i mean i'm always very happy for anybody to come and come and talk to me at any point about any aspect of school life really um you know i'm on the drive on a wednesday um is is my particular day when i'm on duty at the front at bluco or equally people can always email me at um, etr um, at rbcs.org.uk and i'm very happy to to take emails about the co-curricular life or equally any other aspects of, of life at, at bluco that's that's never a problem Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you today. It's been great talking about rugby as well and finding out more about the co-curricular programme at Reading Bluecoat. Okay, thanks very much, Simon. And that was Ed Trelinsky talking about co-curricular life at the school. Ed, thank you for joining us in this episode. I know you'll be listening, so I really appreciate you giving up the time. Also, don't forget you can contact him directly by emailing etr at rbcs.org.uk. And also, our next episode is going to be coming out soon, so be sure to follow and subscribe to this channel. It just means that when the next episode is released, you'll receive a small notification and you won't miss it. But look after yourselves in the meantime, and we'll look forward to seeing you in that next episode. Bye for now.